You've begun the work to rebuild a critical part of your spiritual life that God has called you to. But that doesn't mean it's going to be all smooth sailing. There will be discouragements and opposition along the way. But Mark Job helps us get ready for it next on Moody Presents. Whatever God has put on your heart to do to rebuild, there will be opposition to it, and you need to have a mindset to work and not be distracted by critics that may come your way. Amen? Welcome to Moody Presents with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Today we're in Nehemiah chapter 4 in our continuing series, Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World. We'll learn today that acting on any great call of God inevitably brings voices of opposition. It's an unfortunate part of life and one that we should anticipate as we launch into whatever God is calling us to do. Well, with plenty of encouragement from God's Word today, even in the face of attack, here's Mark Job with Moody Presents. Nehemiah was a assistant to the king of Persia. He was living well, had a good paying job, comfortable with life, suddenly he gets a report that turns his life upside down. He gets a burden that he can't get released of. He's living in a town called Susa. He hears a report about Jerusalem that's been in ruin for 141 years and feels like God is calling him to lead the effort to rebuild Jerusalem. He gets the favor of the king and finds himself traveling 800 miles from Susa to Jerusalem to rebuild the city whose walls are in ruin, whose people are discouraged. There's demotivation on the city streets. The temple is not functioning. The church is falling apart. They need revival. Their infrastructures are broken down. There's oppression, financial, economic, uh, and bigoted oppression happening in the city. And God calls Nehemiah to go back and begin to rebuild this city of Jerusalem. And his task is to try to rebuild the wall that's around the city. And he gets there, inspects the walls, mobilizes the people. They all start working, and it seems like things are humming well. I mean, people are motivated. Everyone has grabbed the section of the wall. They're working on it. They're inspired. They're rah, rah, let's do it. We can do it. And it seems like all his dreams and visions are coming to pass that God has opened up the door one after another, after another, after another, until now. You see, if things are going well in your life and God is opening up a bunch of doors and you're trying to do something for God and rebuild something for God, that's good, but don't expect the honeymoon to last forever. Because anytime you try to make progress in life, invariably you will encounter opposition. Anything you try to do, anything you try to build, if it's for God, if it's good, if it makes sense, if it's worth pouring yourself into, you will encounter opposition one way or another. It's going to come. So don't be surprised when it's come like, God, what's happened? No, it's, it's going to come. Remember, Pastor Mark told me it's going to come. It's going to happen. Opposition will come your way. In fact, let me tell you this. If you're leading anything, expect opposition. I've been a pastor for 21 years, I said earlier, 
And let me tell you, I've learned over the years, especially as I train younger pastors and leaders in ministry, I always let them know, hey, if, if you're going to lead, remember, there will be opposition. And if you can't handle opposition, then step out right now because you will be lambasted and bombarded, and you, you have to realize that's just part of leading. Everyone who steps up to lead anything is going to be opposed. There'll be times where you'll be opposed. And so you have to learn to live and understand that opposition is going to be there. So the question is, how do I move forward under attack? How do I move forward when opposition is coming my way? And that's really the question I'm answering today as we look at Nehemiah chapter 4. Because Nehemiah chapter 4 is how do we keep going when people or opposition comes our way? Verse 1, when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. You need to realize that some people will not be happy at the progress you're making in life. Some people aren't going to be glad you got that job. They're going to be angry. Uh, some people aren't going to be happy that you have six months of sobriety. Some people aren't going to be happy that you had that loan approved to get that house and the mortgage was approved and finally you're moving into your own place. Not everybody will be happy. Not everybody's going to be rejoice that you got accepted into college and you're finally progressing. Not everybody's going to be happy when they know that you're starting your own business and the loan went through. Listen, here's the thing. Not everybody rejoices when things go well in your life. You will have people that will become angry at your prosperity because your progress sometimes will mean that they lose influence, control, and power. And sometimes we, have a, we think that everybody will be happy when things go well for us, but life isn't that way. There will be people that are self-centered, people that have a vested interest in you not prospering. Sam Bellet did not want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. He wanted it to be a ghetto. He wanted it to be lawless. He wanted the houses to remain torn down because he was taking advantage of the people that had little protection. He wanted the infrastructures to be broken because he had greater control. He didn't want there to be organization. He didn't want the city to be rebuilt. He liked the ghetto. He wanted it broken down. He wanted people lived up, living in boarded up houses. He wanted people to be in debt. His business thrived when other people were in chaos. He loved the way it was. And he opposed any rebuilding. And Sam Ballot is the, he's the image of that person that opposes any rebuilding that God is doing. And he says he became very angry and greatly incensed and he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heap of rubbles burned as they are? Then Tobiah, his crony, 
the Ammonite, chimed in, who was at his side, and he said, what are they building? If even a fox climbed on it, referring to the wall, it would break down their walls of stone. Now, here we have two men that are not lifting one single finger to help, but yet they're sitting back with their arms crossed, criticizing, using ridicule and sarcasm to discourage the people that are trying to do something about it. Oh, I wish you could hear me. Because there's always those that cross their arms. They won't lift a finger, but they watch you try to do something good. And then, now they don't roll up their sleeves and say, let me help. They sit on the sidelines with their arms crossed and say, you're never going to do it. It'll never happen. The price tag is too big. You guys don't have the power, the money, the resources. You might as well pack your bags and go home because it's never going to happen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's always those that cross their arms, sit on the sidelines when something good is happening, but don't lift a finger to help out in that good that God is trying to do. It's the Sam Ballots and Tobias, and they'll always be there. You might as well just get used to it because life is full of Sam Ballots and Tobias that cross their arms and ridicule what you are trying to do, the good that is coming in your life, the good that you're trying to embrace. Ah, you'll never graduate from college. Your brother dropped out too. Your mom never made it through. You might as well quit now and get a real job, make some money because you're not smart enough to make it through. There's always the Sam Ballots, there's always the Tobias around us. And the Bible says, the Bible says that they ridiculed them, and I believe that you need to understand the whole aim of the opposition, and jot this down if you're taking notes because this is super important. The aim of most spiritual attacks, listen to me well, is to weaken your mindset in order to stop the progress of what God is doing. You see, most battles are not lost because we can't do it. Most battles are lost because we don't think we can do it. Most battles are not lost because we can't. Most battles are lost because the way we think, because we become distracted or discouraged. Most sport teams, it's not just about their physical conditioning, it's about their mental state. Uh, people win or lose because of how they're thinking. Uh, people succeed in life or fail in life because of their thinking. Uh, people bail out of Christianity or grow in Christianity because of their thinking. And so if your thinking can become demoralized, if your vision can become blurred, if your faith can be squelched, if your expectation of the future be can become smaller, then you have lost half the battle right there. Are you tracking with me? Because really it's your thinking. It's your thinking. 
And notice what happens. I love, I love what Nehemiah does. You see, the enemy's all about stopping the progress in your life. The moment that you stop working on what God has called you to do, it's the moment the enemy has won. This is Moody Presents, and Mark Job, our teacher, is talking about our mindset and the need to safeguard the vision of whatever it is that God has called you to do. Well, there's more coming up. Just a quick pause right now to remind you to head over to moodypresents.org for more on our current teaching series, Rebuild. You know, all of our past broadcasts are available anytime, anywhere on demand. That's at moodypresents.org. Also, we love hearing how the program is helping you along your spiritual path. Would you let us know by sending us a note? Our email address is moodypresents at moody.edu. Again, that email address is moodypresents at moody.edu. Pastor Mark says that there's a critical moment that occurs when discouragement and opposition come together. So what action should we take? Well, let's rejoin our message right now. And here again is Pastor Mark with more Moody Presents. The moment you stop doing what God has called you to do, it's the moment the enemy has already gained a victory in your life. They were trying to stop Nehemiah and his progress. I love what Nehemiah did. Look at in verse 4, Nehemiah prays. He doesn't go to talk to Sambalak and Tobiah. He doesn't say, well, let me argue with you because, no, no, I think we can do it. And we have an army. We have a strategy. We have a plan. He doesn't talk to them. He ignores them. He goes to God. He says, God, see what they're saying about us? God, do you hear them? How they're trying to demoralize us? And I kind of like his prayer, in fact, too. He says, turn their insults back on their own heads. I like that prayer. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of your builders. By the way, he's not the only one that's prayed a prayer like that. Um, Do you remember in Psalms 58 what King David says? King David says, break their teeth in their mouth. Now, that doesn't sound like a nice prayer, does it? I know some of you have prayed stuff like that before. Don't, Don't act like you haven't. I think there's a time when our prayers are, God, you need to fight for me. Because I'm not going to, I don't have time to fight. I need you to be my defender. I don't, I got a job to do, and it's the job you've called me to do, God. And I'm not going to quit doing the job that you've called me to do to try to go, to fight my critics on my opponents. So, Lord, I'm calling you to stand up and defend me. You fight my job. You thwart the attacks of the enemy. You mess up their schemes. You confuse their mind. You stop the opposition, Lord. I'm asking you to fight my battles for me because I can't stop. I have a call on my life. Hello? And then verse 6 is my favorite verse in this point because he says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. Remember, the wall is about 15 feet high. So it, it, it reached about 7 or 8 feet. We rebuilt it to half its height for the people worked with all of their heart. I like the, ver- the version that says, For the people had a mind to work. 
You see, the enemy was trying to get them off track. He was trying to discourage them. He was trying to stop them from working on what they were supposed to be working on. But the people had a mind to work. They didn't stop to answer their critics. They didn't stop and argue about what was right or wrong. They just kept doing what God had called them to do. I want you to hear me well. If God's called you to rebuild your family, then do it and don't stop. If God's called you to do a ministry, then do it and don't stop. If God has called you to work on your children, then do it and don't stop. If God has called you to build a business, then do it and don't stop. Do what God has called you to do. And don't get entrapped in trying to answer all your critics. If I spent time trying to answer everybody that criticized me over the years, I would not get anything done. You say, Pastor, you get criticized? Oh, every leader does. You can't lead a church movement of several thousand people without not getting criticism. It's going to happen. And when I was a young pastor, it would really de- it would demoralize me. Oh, Lord, I got to go meet with them and talk with them and try to win them to my side. <laughs> and all kinds of interesting. People get mad. We're in Chicago. <laughs> hey, there's all kinds of assortment of nutcases and psychos and fruitcakes and axe to grind People that don't know you, they're just ready to pick a fight, period. How about it? So where we live in? I've had people tell me, hey, you know, hey, Pastor, I, I remember, I, this has happened a couple times. I remember one woman telling me, hey, you know, my, my husband says that if he sees you on the street, he's going to punch you. <laughs> I said, well, I, I don't think I've ever met your husband. She said, no, you haven't. I wanted to say, could you give me a picture just, you know, in, so I can duck when I see him, you know? He's just mad. I said, well, why is he mad at me? I've never met him. She says, well, my life has changed, and, you know, I'm not going out partying with him anymore, and he's really mad at you. People write nasty, blankety-blank, blank, blank, blanky, blankety-blank, blank, 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 you pastor. And people get mad, threaten, curse. I'm on their blacklist. I've had photos sent back, crossed out, you antichrist. I mean, it's just part of opposition. You just need to know that anytime you lead anything, there will be opposition that will come your way. It just, it just goes with the territory. Just to be expected. It just happens that way. And you know, I tell my wife at times, she says, you know, sometimes I get... Uh, letters, emails, whatever, and I try to evaluate and consider them. If I just feel from an angry person, I just kind of move on. And what I'm saying is that every time you try to go forward in something in, in God, whether it's trying to have a healthy dating relationship or building towards marriage or creating a family or building a business or starting a ministry, whatever God has put on your heart to do to rebuild, there will be opposition to it and you need to have a mindset to work and not be distracted by critics that may come your way. Amen? All right. Secondly, I want you to write this down. When internal discouragement and external opposition converge on us at the same time, it creates what I call a critical moment. So they continued to work in spite of their opposition, and the Bible says that they just continued to rebuild and they made progress. They were being criticized, but they made progress anyways. 
And then verse 7, the second onslaught of opposition comes their way. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to the Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Sounds like Sambalat has an anger problem, huh? He needs to go to anger management classes. He's always angry. Through the entire book of Nehemiah, he's angry, angry, angry at progress. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Verse 11. Also, our enemies said, before you know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack you. Last chapter, we went from everybody working hard, making progress, to now there's external opposition and internal discouragement. Now, I want you to hear me well. This is huge. Sometimes internal discouragement hits us at the same time that external opposition hits us. And it comes like a flood. You know, you can handle one thing at a time. But how many of you have ever been in the situation where it's not just one thing at a time? You feel like you're juggling about as much as you can, and then someone throws two more balls into your juggling thing. And you're like, okay, now I can't. You see, it says that the men of Judah, you know who the, the tribe of Judah is? Does it sound familiar? Jesus was from what? The tribe of Judah. He's called the Lion of Judah. This was a kingly tribe. These were leaders. These were strong men. I mean, they led, they, the, the, the kings and the priests came from Judah. Uh, they were warriors, leaders, strong, not easily defeated. But the men from Judah came to Nehemiah and they said, We're tired. Some of you feel spiritually defeated simply because you're physically exhausted. You've been staying up late, you've been working overtime, you haven't been eating right, haven't been resting well, and you're just so tired that you feel like God is thousand miles away and things that you saw clearly before, now you don't see. Your marriage isn't going well because you snap and you're crabby and... You, you know what the problem, you say, Pastor, I need to go to a retreat or a conference to get spiritually revived. No. You know what you need? You need a nap. <laughs> you just need to rest. Thirdly, I'm talking about what it takes to start to rebuild our life in a way that God can really use. And by the way, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it says, whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. It compares a person to a city that's broken down. Number three, be willing to recruit rebuilding partners or the job will not be completed. Uh, notice what Nehemiah did in verse 17. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, 
and what the king has said to me. The third thing, if you're starting to rebuild, let me just say this really clearly. I wish I could preach it well enough for you to grasp it. You cannot rebuild anything significant alone. You need others. Do you realize that you need help? Well, that's hard to say. Well, why don't we practice a little bit? Why don't you say with me, I need help. This is Moody Presents with Mark Job. And unfortunately, we're out of time for today, but we're only halfway through this message titled, Moving Forward Under Attack. You know, our spiritual health is tied directly to our physical health when it comes to the rebuilding process, and we'll share more next time. One last quick reminder, even though it seems like this program is coming to you free of charge, there are many expenses in keeping us on the air each week. To help us continue to share the teaching of God's Word and the good news of Jesus Christ, would you consider becoming a Moody Presents partner? And when you become a Moody Presents partner at a level of $30 a month or more, we'll send you a discount code that will give you a 50% discount from Moody Publishers. Every devotional, every Bible study, kids' book, biography, all half off, as often as you like. Why not enjoy these savings yourself when you head online to moodypresents.org and become a monthly partner? Well, thanks for listening today. It's our hope that what you're hearing really is encouraging and challenging you, helping you take that next step in your walk with Christ. And remember to get in touch or listen to any broadcast again. Visit moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger, and on behalf of Dr. Mark Job, thanks for listening. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio and a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.